Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio. We are so glad you could join us for this message from Pastor Wilson. In this sermon, Brother Wilson challenges you to discover what God wants in your life. If you have questioned what your reason for living is, we pray this message, titled, What God Wants, will be a blessing to you. Philippians 1 and 6. What do you want in life? We all make our own plans. We have our own hopes and dreams. Some had their own plans and schemes, and a lot of us get selfish desires in life. And But there are some along the way that long to help others, and those things are commendable. What's important, though, in our life? What, what's important in your life? I mean, what do you want is really not the question. That's what the world asks you. What do you want? What's important is what God wants to do in your life. In that simple opening verse there, Philippians chapter 1, in verse 6, God has made plans for you. He has made plans that before you even born, if you will release your life to that, if you will give your life to Him, and that is the most important question we can ask today is what God wants. Because God's plans are different than your plans. I think we've all been faced with that question. We discover what we're doing on this blue planet today that's hurtling through this solar system that we're in and this galaxy that's going through the vastness and the emptiness of space this morning. I know we don't feel it, but we're moving this morning somewhere, whether we want to or not. And you're in your life, and at some point you've got to ask yourself that question, what am I here for? What is this all about? There's way more to it than just going to work on Monday morning. And there's way more to it than just having a few little fun times here on this planet. Because if you look around, you don't follow the will of God and what He wants in your life. When your day comes, you're going to look in the mirror one day and life is going to pass you by. And you're going to be an old man or old woman. And that day is going to be up on you that you're going to have to stand before your Redeemer and what if you never asked that question, what does God want in my life? And the answer to that question of what God wants has temporal and eternal implications. There's no doubt that God wants the best for you here on this planet. I know many times that I have kind of got on the preachers that, you know, teach this best life now, and teach the prosperity gospel, and that you have to balance the Word of God. And I believe more on the judgment side and, and conviction because that's what's going to change a person when the Holy Spirit convicts them. But we also have to understand that God wants you to have a good life here. There's no doubt about it. God wants you to enjoy things here. But the eternal implications of all this, your life is just, the Bible says that your life is just a vapor. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. And some people can, may get to enjoy a lot of years. Uh, uh, Sister Denise's daddy, he enjoyed many years out here on this planet, lived a, a long, full life. Many of us will never get to see that many years. And as long as he lived, though, his life was still but a flower that come up one day. Think of it, her dad, bro. I mean, he, he saw world wars come and go. He saw Vietnam, Korea, all these things in his life he got to see. And yet his life was just temporary at best. It's the same case with every human being that has lived and is living now or will live. Your life is just but temporary, so we have to look at the eternal implications in this. I, I want you to have a blessed life here. I hope, in, And I hope in the coming days what I've been praying for, the church families, that we have 
many people blessed in the temporal because if we're going to accomplish the goals we need to uh, accomplish to go out on the radio and in different street ministries or uh, whatever we're here in the church, we have to have funds to operate. We need you blessed. But the, the temporal things are not as important, though, as the eternal because the eternal you're going to face. You're going to face that one day. I'm going to face it just like you are. Uh, Sister Inez, she never thought in, in her wildest imagination that she would be facing the things she's facing right now. And any of us can go through that. Our life can spin on a dime, and then there we are facing eternity. So we have to ask that question, what does God want? Well, in that verse that I read you, that opening verse, in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 1, it said God wants to begin a work in your life. And notice it says, he which hath begun. This is kind of surprising, but it's true. He's already begun this work in your life. It's happening already. If you're a Christian, he's already begun that work. And sometimes you may not even know. You may be a, a sinner out in the world, and you, you had the foggiest idea that God has already begun a work in your life. One thing I know about God, he loves to work through sinners. No doubt about it. I, this is not just my opinion. It's what I read in Scripture. I've seen Jesus. He went to the church. He followed Jewish tradition. He, in what the Bible commanded, he showed up. And in fact, he taught sometimes. He got up and preached once or twice. He, but he mainly went on outside of the synagogues, and he would go teach in the villages, and he would go find people that were the worst of the worst. You look at the bloodline of Jesus Christ. There's prostitutes in there. There's adulterers, there's murderers, all through the bloodline of Christ. God, it seems like, picks out the worst of the worst and cleanses them and picks them up and sets them before to speak to the masses. Paul, we wouldn't be sitting in this church today if God hadn't run Paul down and begun that work in him. We're talking about a man that was involved heavily in killing Christians and he turned his life on, in 180 on a robe one day. And blinded him. In fact, he changed his name from Saul to Paul to signify what a great change had happened in his life. He loves to work as sinners. So don't tell me that God hasn't begun to work in you. I don't care what station you're at in life. You may be so far away from God today that you may not even be saved. But yet God has begun a good work in you and it's up to you to respond to that call. His amazing grace is ready to work in your life. This is the opposite of what the world teaches. <clears throat> the world says, be yourself, reach for the stars, achieve financial success, and climb higher up in the world. That's what the world tells you to do. The world doesn't tell you to seek the things of God. Matter of fact, uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the talk show host. I, I, I can't recall his name right off the tip of my tongue. I heard him on the new Supreme Court Justice, Amy Barrett, that, uh, the nominee that Trump has put forth. They had been making fun of her religion, which I'll call that Catholicism. But they made this statement about her, and I hope it's true. Called her one of those tongue talkers. And I said, thank God, I hope we get a tongue talker up on the Supreme Court. Because this is just opposite of what the world will tell you. The world will tell you to blend in with them and accept everything that comes down the way. But when God begins a work in you, He turns you around and you're not like this world anymore. You're something completely different. 
And God wants to reach down. He reaches down to every sinner and changes them. There should be a change in your life when you know Christ. He's not wanting to... I know I preach a lot about judgment. We're in the last days. Uh, we should be convicted of our sins. But also there's a side of God that He's reaching down and wanting to change somebody. He's not wanting you to stay where you're at. He's not wanting you to keep on hanging to that same old dope. He's not wanting you to keep on hanging on to those cigarettes and that alcohol and those things you're looking at on the internet. Uh, those things you shouldn't be doing. God wants to change all those things. He's not there to thump you on the head and, and bring judgment on you, send you to hell over those things. He wants to change you. He wants to begin that work in you, but your lot in this, your part, is that you have to accept it. You have to say, God, you've begun a work in me. Finish it out, Lord. Do this work in my life. Notice he says, God, that he, he, he started a work, and it's a good work that he begins in your life. God wants to begin a good work in your life. He which hath begun a good work in you. It's a good work. It's nothing bad. I don't care what the world says about, oh, being a Christian, you got all these commitments of going to church, and they want your money, and blah, 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 whatever. You know, anything I've ever gave to God in my time or finances, He has always returned to me many, 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 many times over. To this day, after 13 years, I still get excited about paying my tithes. Why? Because there's several reasons. The first is I know that there are people out there that need to hear this message. I watched a special on the news the other, uh, yesterday, and it was a story of these uh, three... Two white males and a white woman, and what they were doing, they were going around town, and they would they wasn't shoplifting, but they would go in a store, and they'd say they'd take some clothes. They'd hide them, and they'd go to the counter, and they would say, that, oh, I'm returning these. And they would get a gift card. That in this case, it was like $198, 200 bucks they got on the gift card, saying something that they were returning. They was actually just stealing inside the store, then they would take that and go sell it for half that amount. And they would get heroin. And they would begin to shoot up this heroin. And I watched this girl. And she was shooting up this heroin on TV. And they said the dope hit her so strong that she began to realize what a horrific life she had. She had three kids that were no longer with her. While she, it hit her when that dope she'd injected in her veins, it hit her that she was missing her children. She said, I don't know what the answer is. I want to be with my kids, but I can't snap this addiction. This morning when I held my head down in prayer, I said, I don't remember that girl's name, Lord. I don't even know if they told the right name on that news program, but wherever she's at, God put her in front of a minister somewhere. Let her hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because, that, folks, this good work that God has begun in you, you have to start it in other people. We're, that's what we're here for. We're not here for our own selfish desires. And every time I give money, if you don't want to go preach, but when I give money back to the gospel and I know it's going to the right person, the right ministry, I'm sharing with people like it. You don't ever know when that dope head is going to turn that dial or pick up that station. And say, you know what? That message is speaking to me. It happened in my own life. 
This past week, somebody, I don't even know, out of uh, New Hampshire, I think, heard our radio program, requested the Bible, and said, I'm trying to turn my life around. God wants to begin that good work. God, anything I put back in and gave back to God, it has always returned to me many times over. You know, in the beginning of our Christian walk, though it doesn't seem like a good work, you take in my life that when God begun that work, it was a struggle. Many people get up under the misconception because they listen to people like Joel Osteen or somebody like that. And they hear about this good life that you can have. But they forget to tell them when you first come to Christ and you start this walk and God has begun this good work, the difficulties come. Jesus said this about it. I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword that's going to divide even families. It's going to divide fathers from their children. It's going to divide families up with this message that I'm bringing. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you this Christian walk is easy, but I will tell you this, it is the most rewarding. There's a fight to Christianity. This work God has begun in you, that enemy, enemy of our soul, he desires nothing more to come and snatch it away from you through religion, drugs, alcohol, evil friends, evil family. He loves to do it. That seed that gets sown down into your heart. It says the enemy will come and snatch it. And you'll say it's too difficult. Or sometimes you may stay in the way and the vines get to choking you. And you say, this, this is just too much. I can't handle it. But God, when he, when he starts His work in you, He makes you aware of your sin. That's the first thing that happens. Romans 3 and 23, for we all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the first thing that happens in your Christian walk. You're aware of your sin. If you're going to let God begin this good work in you and finish it, you're going to become aware of your sin. You will definitely become aware of your sin. And most people, this is where that part of that sword that Jesus was talking about, when you're preaching the truth, most people don't like to be told they're sinners. That's our human nature. We don't like it when the preacher talks about our sin. Well, who is he? I met Brother Wilson sat down last night and just thought of me while he was writing that sermon. No, I didn't. I thought that, though, when I, was in, when I first got in the church, I thought Brother Mike Davis was sneaking up on me. I thought he was riding by the house and watching me do what I was doing. I thought maybe he'd see me at the store. And then after time, I figured out that he really did not mean this no bad way, but he could really care less what I was doing. He had his hands full with other things. I care about every person here. I pray for it, but I'm not spying on you. I'm not making a naughty list and a nice list every uh, Saturday night when I'm going through my sermon. I promise you. But when God speaks through the man or woman in the pulpit, He says that your sins have brought you short of His glory. And that He's wanting to do a good work in you. And when you listen to the Word of God and you make that change in your life by the power of the Spirit that He planted down in you, that's why we teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues because it carries that power in your life to a new level. It does. 
There is a thousand times difference in me now before and after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't have this in my notes, but boy, I feel led to preach it. If you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to experience it. It will change everything in your life. If you think that work he begun at the first of your life was something, hang on, honey. I mean, it's the difference between a 9-volt battery and 220 volts coming out like you hook up to the dryer. I know that's about redneck as I can get, but that's about what it is. It's the difference between a little old battery and licking both your fingers and shoving them in the socket. That's the difference. It's that great of a difference in your life. Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. If you are enjoying the music and ministry on our station, we need your help. We do not sell any advertising on this station. So, we need your financial gift to keep bringing Christ and Him crucified to the world. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate by secure means. Remember, even the small amounts add up. Thank you and God bless. He shows you good works towards righteousness are worthless. But I just thought you said we need to come to church, Brother Farrell. I thought you said we need to tithe and pray and read our Bible. I sure did. But when you do those things to obtain something from God, this is what God says about it in Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, has taken us away. I know there's a lot of people that are claiming to be saved. In fact, very few are saved. The more that I watch people, the more I look at this world and the fruits that people bear, I I tend to agree with that more and more every day. Very few people are saved. How can you say that, Brother Wilson? If everybody that is claiming to be a Christian was in church this morning, I'll even take out the ones that hate me. We'll subtract them from the list. But if everybody in Grenada that claims to be a Christian was in some type of church this morning, a good Bible preaching church, we wouldn't have room in here. We'd have to go out there. Man, we done had to have get that other building open. And every church around here would be facing the same crisis. We wouldn't have room to put them all. So where are they at on Sunday morning? What are they doing? When it comes payday and they give $20 and think they did something. When they comes time to prayer, good gravy, good meat, good God, let's eat. And that's the extent of their intercessor prayer. Not many people are saved. They're attempting to work their way to God through some type of work. Well, I'll do a little bit. I I think one of the most chilling things I've ever heard, it it caused the hair to raise up on the back of my neck when I heard this. It was kinfolk. And I was pleading with them. And I said, you know, I'd like you to come to church, but I would at least like you to confess Christ as your Savior. You need to know Him. So I got a feeling. I went straight to the lady and I said, I got a feeling you're not going to be here much longer. I, I don't want to be that bold to you, but I just I feel that in my spirit. And I pulled her offside and told her this one-on-one to her face. And they told me they didn't need church. They didn't need Christ. They said their good works would get them into heaven. And that lady died not much longer. And I, I, can't, I hope and pray that she repented on her deathbed. 
I hope. Because I don't want to, I don't, there, even my worst enemy that hates me, I would not want to see not one single soul perish. Those that have fought against me and called me names and did everything they could to try to harm me in ministry, still yet, I would wrap my arms around them and tell them Christ loves them because we, even our worst enemy, we don't want to see them face no eternal punishment like that. But you know, the amazing thing is, it's good work that God starts in you. When you let Him do that work, all those things that I've been talking about just happen. They just start happening. He'll teach you along the way. You'll stumble sometimes. You like my little grandson, Logan. He'll take off running. And I remember Jennifer so worried he couldn't walk. I said, he'll be fine. He's going to start walking. And boy, he'd bust his head and he'd go to crawling the, the last weekend. Maybe I shouldn't even tell his parents this. <laughs> he was running toward me and fell down right there at what they call affection. My little room, my wife calls the dungeon, and <laughs> fell down and hit his head and cut his head. And I said, Mama, I ain't even going to let them kids come back over here no more. But you know what? Over time, now he's not hardly crawling anymore. He's walking. It's like it in your Christian walk. You may start out crawling. You, well, really, you start out God holding you like a tiny baby. And then you move up to the car seat. You crawl around a little bit, and then you start walking. This is a growth. I'm 13 years in this, and I'm, I'm a, a baby at best. And when I hear people that have been doing it 60 years preaching and say they're a Bible student at best, that tells me where I'm at and where you're at. you got a lot of growing to do, but when God comes in, He shows you this right here. The only thing you've earned from Him it, it, through your works is death. The Bible says, Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. Everybody, I told you earlier and showed you Scripture, everybody sin, and the wages of sin is death. But when you accept Christ and you let Him start this good work in you and, and continue this good work in you, His grace enters in and it brings hope. And God loves us despite our sin. Boy, you want to make an atheist mad, tell him this. I don't care what you think, nothing you can do about it, God still loves you. Tell them that. They'll get mad. Well, you, well, it don't matter. God still loves you. He's not mad at you like you are Him. God still loves you despite anything you've done. Then God moves our conviction to our conversions and then our consecration. Let me say that again. You start out and God is, is convicting you. He converts you and then He consecrates you to your walk with Him. He wants to finish that work inside of you. Simple faith in Christ brings the power of the Holy Spirit into your life. And He does His good work in you. Our sins are forgiven. You're justified. If you don't know what that term means, I'm going to tell you real quick. Justified is, to me, to me is one of the most important terms in our Christian walk. Justified. It means I've been declared innocent as though it never happened. And that is powerful. When it hits you what that means, when you understand what that means, when you're justified, you're going to take off running one day. I might even see you running down the road, and everybody else is going to go, what Jamie running for? I, I know what it is. She just figured out what justified means. It'll, make a, it'll even make a, a Baptist shout. This will make a Methodist dance. It's to even get some of them old uh, cold Pentecostals to get up out the seat every once in a while and say, Amen, Brother Wilson. 
justified. You're declared innocent as though it never happened. I'm telling you, it's powerful this morning that I've been declared innocent before a holy God. Woo! You may not shout today, but one day, one day you're going to be standing before the throne of God. And I'm going to look up at God and I'm going to say, God, make him dance and shout all over the place now. When you see how much is waiting on you, when you see what God has in store for you, you're going to say it was worth every bit of it. It was worth all the pain that I had here on this earth. It was worth all the trials that I went through. That one day I could stand before this throne where the river of life is flowing freely from it. And these trees of life are lined up and down and there's, there's transparent gold streets and there's walls of jasper. There's, oh, there's a door that's one huge pearl. <laughs> This place is undescribable, people. God said, your ears had not heard and your eyes had not seen what I have in store for you. So now we know what our purpose is in life. What is it? You're here to give God glory. That's what you're here to do. You may go to work at Heatcraft. You may go sell signs. You may show up at the car lot. I, I understand we all got things we have to do in life. May go to a restaurant, whatever you may have to do. But still, through it all, every day of your life, you're here. The purpose and the reason for your life is to give glory to God. That's what you're here for. You don't know how proud, I, I'll say it again, you don't know how proud I was a pastor to see that track uh, rack empty back here. I said, that's what I'm talking about. That tells me, at least in some of the simplest forms, they're getting it. They're starting to get out and, and share what God has done in their life. That's all it's about. So next time somebody asks you what the meaning of life is, I know. I got the answer. Your life is to give glory to God. Last point. God wants to perform a permanent work in your life. And if you'll notice in the verse it said, we'll perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. That means until the rapture of the church. Um, it could be disputable. I've heard that it said to his return. But for me it means the rapture of the church. Because when the rapture of the church comes, honey. If I'm in that grave, I'm coming up. If I'm here, I'm getting out of here. Naked I come into this world. Naked I'm going to leave. I pray he puts that swathing glow around me. Y'all get that here in a minute. <laughs> No, don't take yourself so serious because I promise God don't. <laughs> You'll catch that one too later. <laughs> but I'm leaving. And that's when that work is going to be finished. And until then, you may be a messed up bomb. You may fail at every turn. You may be consecrated. You may walk this life right. But God's going to continue no matter what state you're in. He's going to continue to perform that work until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's coming a day, Sister Denise, when your daddy's coming up out that ground. There's coming a day when my grandma Sims is coming up out of that ground. 
And she was a hardcore Baptist, Southern Footwash Baptist. She wasn't Pentecostal, but she's coming up out that ground. Because she knew Jesus Christ as her Savior. And God is going to, you know, that work is still not finished in those. It's not finished in your dad yet. It's not. Because then, remember what God said? The corruptible must put on incorruption. That means we're going to take on a glorified state from what was left here. Whatever's left here on this earth of you, be it a whole body or whatever's here, God's going to take all that and it's going to be a finished work. A perfected body that will live eternally with Him. Paul said this work will last and it will last if you don't quit. The only person that's going to take you out of this walk with God is you. You want to see the person that can trip you up and cause you to lose your salvation? When you get done here, run back to the bathroom and look at one of those big mirrors. You will see the person that will take you out of this walk. Nobody else is going to do this. Don't blame it on the preacher. Don't blame it on the church. Don't blame it on those hypocrites sitting on the pews. I love what Gerald Crabb said. I'd rather sit on the pews with you hypocrites and go to heaven than I would sit at home and go to hell. You're always going to have hypocrites. They've always been there. Jesus still showed up. God began this work, and He continues this work. Look at Philippians 2 and 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. There you go again. That's the meaning of life, to do His pleasure, not yours. And what's amazing about this, though, it's not God is not selfish, because when you do His good pleasure... The things you've been searching for in life just naturally come. They start flowing into your life. He spoils you along the way. He does. He completes this work. Philippians 3 and 20 and 21, for our conversation is in heaven. Conversation is not that gossip you're doing on the phone. <laughs> Y'all get that. Y'all going to catch a lot of this later when you get home. Conversation is not our talk. Conversation is our life. Our life is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Savior. Your life should be looking for Him to come. That's what you should be looking for. Not the things of this world. When you're looking to Him, He'll take care of the rest. He's not going to have you out begging for bread. He's going to make a way. I know it's tough sometimes. I, right now, I, I, there's several things in my life I wish were taken care of, especially finances and bills, but I can't look at that. I can't let that distract me for what's ahead. He'll take care of those things. He knows I have need of them. He knows if you need a healing in your body. I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor, but trust Him also with your health. You've got that problem in your home. Put it to prayer and let God handle it. Because God is going to finish this. Once we look for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. Woo! That's powerful. That's meat. How do you know that we're going to look like Him? Because the Bible tells me so. He was 33 years old in a picture of perfect health. I'm going to get all my hair back. My body's going to be looking good. I'm going to take on his image. That's good news to me. 
that it may be fashioned like unto his glory body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let me break that verse down to you with this. Y'all stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to read this to you while you're starting to seek God. But we are citizens of heaven and eagerly awaiting for our Savior to come from there. Our Lord Jesus Christ has power over everything. And He will make these poor body of ours like His glorious body. Father, we come to You in the name of Jesus. And Lord, You've begun a work in all of us. Father, this morning as we heard all the prayer requests, there were so many things, God, that we heard. But Father, I have no answers for as a frail human. But there's an answer from heaven waiting on them today. Remind them, God. Remind them that you've begun a good work in them. And if they won't quit, if they'll keep this path, That you will finish this work. I'm going to pray this simple prayer. I don't know if it's for here or on the radio. But I feel led to pray it. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today. This simple prayer. Is a starting point of your faith. It can change your world. You have to begin somewhere. If you believe these words. And accept Christ as your Savior. Your name will be written down in the Lamb's book of life. Father. Forgive me for the way I've lived, the things I've done. God, I'm asking you to wipe the slate clean by the precious blood of Jesus. Father, your word says that if I will accept Christ as my Savior, believe he died on the cross for me and arose the third day, and now that he is your right hand, make an intercession for me. That simple little childlike faith, Lord, if I accept him, you said I would be saved. Father, today I accept Him as Savior and ask You every day of my life, God, to begin a work on me and finish this work out. God, pull me when I won't listen, Lord. Put me in the right places I need to be. And if you're listening by radio, find you a good cross-preaching church. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And we say, Amen. This brings us to the end of this message. We hope you have been blessed by it. If you would like to send us comments, questions, or prayer requests, email us at infocross.radio or fill out the online contact form on our website at cross.radio. More messages are available on our home church website page, grenadachurch.com/sermons. God bless and stay tuned to Power of the Cross Radio. More great music and messages are on the way.